Yo, dudes. <laughs> What's up? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I am not a Pentecostal by background. Many of you will know this, but as far as I'm concerned, other than the fact that everybody has the Holy Spirit in the churches and all the rest of it, Pentecostals have two superpowers. Okay, the first one is that they can sit through a three-hour sermon. You're not going to have to worry about that this morning. But the other thing is they are, and this is the word I would use, responsive. So could I ask, which of our brothers and sisters today would would identify, self-identify in their background as Pentecostal? Could you put your hand in the air? Today, brothers and sisters, it is your day to shine. (laughs) We are going to look at generosity and possessions. You are allowed to get all Pentecostal with us because I am about to take you on a journey and you need to strap in and if there's no response it's going to feel long. (laughs) Those of us who aren't Pentecostals by background, today is your day to practice. This isn't even going to scratch the surface, you don't have to take notes, we'll make sure that the, the, um, uh, the projector thingies are up online somewhere and people can find them, but you can if you want to, this will be rapid. So the first thing, generosity, practicing the way, possessions. First point, everything belongs to God. See, that's my, that's keep going. (laughs) Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. It's really important. Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who created the earth? Who does it belong to? Psalm 40, beginning at verse 9. I have no need for your sacrifices, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hillsides. It is all God's. Haggai, if you can find it. Chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine declares the Lord Almighty. The stuff that hasn't been dug up yet, the stuff that's being dug up, the stuff that people are lusting after on the bottom of the Mariana Trench, everything is God's. We need to understand how awesome is that. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23, God says to his people, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. This is really important. You know those foreigners that keep coming over here and taking our jobs and all the rest of that? You're them. Because this is God's and it ain't yours. It is really important to know it is his, not ours. Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 4. I told you it's relentless. Come on, more Pentecostal stuff going, please. For everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. All people of every generation are God's possession. That has incredible implications. Please, Hold on to it, because it's great, because we're moving on. Job 41, 11. Everything under heaven belongs to me. Do you get the picture? There's a bit of a rhythm going on here. Let's just skip gently into the New Testament. Ephesians 4, verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is over all 
and through all and in all. This is our Father God. I mean, that is pretty incredible, it seems to me. God is God. He is over all, through all, in all. This is God's identity. God's identity is Lord of all. Every possession, from pin to palace, everything is owned by God. It is who he is. What God does with what he has is an expression of his nature. And it's founded in everlasting love. So we move on to the next point. God shares what belongs to him with his people. That is what he does with what he has got. Jeremiah 31.3 I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God's love is everlasting. Is anyone awake? You guys, you think you're bored. This is my second preach of it. (laughs) Genesis 1 and 2, just a broader bit. God creates humanity in his image to live in the midst of his creation. And he shares it with humanity, walking through the garden every day. God created this world and created us to share it with him. It's really important. I don't necessarily expect you to look up the entirety of the next next reference, but the Bible. The Bible, right, is full of great stories of God's generosity to his children. And often his generosity is despite huge unfaithfulness and great sin on behalf of the people who follow him. God still shares his creation as an expression of his nature and his love. God's generosity in creation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Ruth, Mary, Peter, Paul, etc., etc., etc. I could go through so many names. Big stories, little stories. In all of them, God is God. And God's character comes out in his generosity. I mean, I find this quite exciting. I don't know about you lot. The people of God are blessed beyond measure. And not because they are good or because they're special, because we're not good, we're not particularly special. God blesses us because he is good and he is special. It is his righteousness that comes and blesses us with generosity. God shares everything to build relationship. God is good. There's proper Pentecostals. God is good. And God's gifts are an expression of his heart. What God gives us is an expression, it is an overflow of the character of God. Exodus 34, 6 to 7. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. This is our God. And there are so many examples. I mean, just dive into the Psalms. Examples of the abundance of God's love and generosity. Example, Psalm 23, 5, 33, 5, 66, 12, 78, 15, 145, 7. And that is not even the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. 
It's quite overwhelming, really. If you look at Malachi chapter 3, 10, God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God shares his abundance with his people with one of my favourite words in the world, lavishly. I love that word because it's one of those words that sounds like what it is. It is lavish. Matthew chapter 7, 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That is our generous God. Our generous God's nature is to give good gifts. Everything is God's. And the character of God is to be generous with it. God's lordship, his power and nature, are expressed most clearly through his generosity. I love that. I just love that. As a human being, flawed though I am, the idea that the God I love and follow is defined by generosity, by lavishness, by abundance. God's generosity is his nature. It is rooted in his identity. He is God of all, therefore he shares all. We're his children, so we share it. he shares it with us and because he loves us. And you know, this might be news to some of you, because I do, as you know, share the deep and unexpected. Jesus is like God. Yeah, Jesus is like God. Therefore, Jesus is lavishly generous. All he has is because God gives it to him, and he is like Father God and gives it to his disciples. I love John 2, 1 to 11, where Jesus turns water into wine. Not just a bottle, We're not just talking about Shiraz here. Jesus turned 120 gallons of water, 550 litres, for those of you who want to get all European on me, into wine. And not just wine, the best wine. That is the generosity of God. In Luke 5, 6, where Jesus tells the who will be his disciples to put out their nets. They don't just catch a big fish. They catch so much fish that their boats are nearly overwhelmed by the amount of fish. One of them, I I think it says it's 156 or something like that, isn't it? It's just like phenomenal. This is the generosity of God expressed through his son, through Jesus. Mark 6, 35 and 44. 5,000 men and more women and children are fed from one packed lunch, 5,000 from one small packed lunch, and there are 12, say it with me, 12 huge basketfuls left at the end. I mean, one packed lunch to 12 basketfuls is pretty impressive, but 5,000 men and more women and children fed. And then just two chapters later in Mark 8, 4,000 men and the women and children are fed from seven loaves and left over is seven basketfuls. This is Jesus. This is our God. Jesus is like God. The paralytic in Luke 5, 18, when the paralytic, you know the story, the paralytic is lowered down through the roof. Love that story. What I love most about that story is this paralytic falls, comes down in front of Jesus and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. 
That's what he needed. That is what he needed. And everybody has an uproar. So he says, so that you will believe, get up and walk. And the man picks up his mat and walks off. I mean, this is our God. I know it's hot. Pentecostals, wake, wake from your slumber. I love, I love this. Healings and freedom, gifts and new life are all over the New Testament. Summarised beautifully, Matthew 15, verse 30 to 31. Great crowds came to Jesus, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others, he la- and laid him, them at his feet and he healed them and people were amazed and they praised the God of Israel. No wonder they were amazed. If somebody is cured of earache after our prayers, we're pretty amazed. This is incredible stuff. And then Jesus taught this too, this generosity, the prodigal God. Luke 15 is much better entitled the prodigal God than the prodigal son, the prodigal father. Because when the son comes back, the father puts on him the ring to show he is part of the family. And he puts on him this rich cloak to show that his poverty is covered by the father's grace and love. And then he throws this huge party. And then just a few verses later, we hear the other son could have whatever he likes because everything the father has is his. That is the lavish, lavish grace and generosity God preaches. Luke 6, 27 See, it's not finished yet. We're still going. Jesus taught generosity to the people we love and like. To our enemies. I mean, man. I mean, all the rest of it so far, that's pretty easy, isn't it? It's pretty obvious. Love the one who hates you. Luke 23, 34. As they nailed him to the cross... As those spikes were driven through his wrists, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. This is the generosity of our God. This is his generosity. The greatest act of generosity. When he had every right to fight back or destroy. When the Father in heaven could have sent legions of angels to protect Jesus. He gave his son as a gift. I'm a dad. None of you are having my kids for anything because I just can't do that. But Father God, he did that. Why? Because he loves us. The generosity of God is the overflow of his heart. John 3:16. And some of you, please say this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have a long life, a nice life, a happy life, eternal life. How lavish is that? Ask for a car. Get an entire country full of cars. God is so generous. God is so good. He gave us not just life, but eternal life. God was generous even with his son. So everything is God's. He shares abundantly, lavishly, fully, without thought of lessening or loss. 
The generosity of God is an overflow of the nature of God. It's God's heart to bless, include, including possessions and stuff and the gifts we have and all of that. It's not just a spiritual thing. There is a real evidence that God loves and cares and provides for his children. This is our God. How exciting is that? Not very. (laughs) It is exciting. This is our Father God. He is generous. Jesus is like God. He is generous. And we need to be like Jesus. Generous. John 14, 11 to 12. Next slide, please. Thank you. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. All those things we've talked about of Jesus' life, all those things he did, it is evidence of his generosity. It is evidence of who he is. And he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That generosity of Jesus is what we're supposed to do. So the practice, practice being a good word, of generosity in us is, first of all, we learn to be generous by practising it. So that means, let's be honest, we're not all great at it. But we practise to get better, yeah? So we practise it. But the second part of that is eventually we do it by nature. It becomes our default setting. It becomes our practice. Great when a word can do so much work. An overflow of our fundamental understanding that God is lavish, generous, boundless, the giver of life. Our Father God is loving, generous, and boundless in what he gives. He gives life. Our Lord Jesus is loving, He's generous, he's boundless in his generosity, and he gives life. We, children of God, disciples of Jesus, should be loving, generous, boundless in our generosity, and givers of life. It's a simple point, I know. But this is the point of the sermon. Let's be more generous, like God, with the things we have. This is our Father's character, so it should be ours. Yes? But are we? I mean, it's very nice. But am I? That's the difficult thing. I mean, we do believe in all of this stuff I've been saying. I mean, one of the reasons I read it all out of the Bible is you cannot, if you are a Christian, disagree with me. It's what the Bible says. I haven't added anything to it. Oh, but it's hard. We believe in all of this, the goodness, the grace, the generosity of God, but do we really live it? Do we live it as if it's true? Because the faith comes from that. It says in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where is your treasure? Where is my treasure? So if you thought you were going to get 10 minutes off for good behaviour because I'd got to that point, sorry, guys. Why can it be so hard to be generous? I'm not going to go into specifics about what you own and what you don't own. It's none of my business. And it really, really offends people. I'm not going to go into business about 
the money you have and whether you give a tithe and how you give your tithe. Tithe isn't generosity. Tithe is the first fruit, that's it. The generosity starts after the tithe. So if you give 10%, brilliant, great. What? Generosity. Where's the generosity? I'm just asking the question. Why can it be so hard to be generous? I think there's a few thoughts, just a few thoughts before we finish. First of all, it's mine. It's really hard to give away what we believe is our own. And we do. We believe that what we own is our own. We want to enjoy it and keep it and look at it. It's mine. I earned it. And perhaps we did earn it. Perhaps you have a well-paid job. Perhaps you have a gift that God's given you. Perhaps you have a lovely home. And perhaps you worked really hard for that. But you didn't earn it. Because it's God's. Sorry, I know it's really hard sometimes to hear this stuff. Jesus earned a great deal more than us on the cross. What we have and earn is just in, in, insignificant in comparison to what Jesus did. And it's really important to remember that because according to what we've talked about so far, what we think is, what we think is ours is God's. He is through all, in all, above all. He lets us use it as his own. My favourite description of the tithe is this. God lets you use 90%. How cool is that? <laughs> That's the generosity of God. There's a theology which is sometimes taught in churches which tells us that the things we have are a sign of God's favour and righteousness and our righteousness. It's not. It's not a sign of our righteousness. None of it. Because we don't have any righteousness. In scripture, in Christ, we only find our righteousness through Jesus. What we have is given to us not because we are good, but because God is good. God is good. That is the truth of the matter. God doesn't give to me because I am righteous. And if I have lots of possessions, that is not a sign of God's favour. It is a sign of God's trust. And God's trust in me to use his stuff as he uses it. That is a phenomenally difficult thing to get hold of. He gives because he's righteous. God's righteousness is more evident in his generosity than almost anything else in scripture. No one can outgive God. Have you heard that before? My experience is that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. And there is a serious problem. If I get to a point when I look at my bank balance and I think, you are mine, because I will hear echo back from my bank balance, it's saying, you are mine. Yeah. We are God's, not our money's. Where your, heart is, where your treasure is, your heart is. Where is your treasure? And it's God's, so I must treat it like it, he does. Use it in his way to give him glory, to show others his love, to share it, even to give it away, because you can't outgive God. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know there are bits of the Bible that we think, well, they're a bit contextual. That has a meaning in its day and not now. This isn't one of them. This is just true. You can only serve God. Or you can only serve something else. 
So the second thing we think of why it might be difficult is what if I don't have enough for myself, my friends, my family? What if after I've given away, I don't have anything left? If you've grown up with very little, then I can absolutely understand why that would be an issue. I was so blessed to grow up in a household where we had everything we needed. And I'm really aware of that. Now, I moaned about it a lot when I was a teenager. I genuinely, genuinely appreciate it now. And I'm so blessed to be able to bless my mum in return. So when we're fearful of having little, we hoard what we've got against a rainy day. We keep it. Of course we do. It's perfectly natural. It's a perfectly natural response. It's not the right response. Don't get me wrong. But it is perfectly natural. And Jesus teaches in Luke 11. And I'm going to read the whole part from verse 9 to 16. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It doesn't end there. Which of you parents, if your child asks for a fish, will give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, will give them a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil unrighteous, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If we believe this is true, that isn't an option. Now, I'm not saying it will instantly disappear overnight. I mean, it might. God's gracious. God's good. But we do need to learn it different. We need to learn it's not mine, it's God's. We need to learn I do have enough. Because my father in heaven has every cattle on every hillside and he has all of the gold and all of the silver and he owns everything because the earth is the Lord and everything in it. God is your father. It's not enough to believe. We need to live as if it's true. Third thing, anger and unforgiveness. Ollie spoke really well about this last week so I don't need to cover it particularly. Watch it on YouTube if you haven't. Look out for the podcast when it comes out when we eventually get around to doing it. It is very hard to give to people we love, let alone to people we don't love, people we don't trust, people who have hurt us, people who may even have stabbed us in the back. That is hard. But if we don't forgive others, how can we know God's forgiveness? That's what the Bible says. In the way we treat others, so God will treat us. As God forgives, we should forgive also, it says in Ephesians 4.32. So if you can't forgive a person or a nationality or a people group or another village or another football team supporter or the person who stole your money or the person who, worse still, hurt your children, that's an issue. And it's an issue we have to deal with. And it's okay to feel that pain. We can learn to grow and forgive and love because Jesus loves and forgives us. We can do it too. It takes time. Take time. The fourth one, I've never seen it modelled. Some of us simply haven't seen generosity modelled by the people we're around. I know, I get it. That's okay. But there is a solution. Hang out with generous people. 
I mean, they're not here, so I can say this. Colin and Jenny Butler, hang out with them. Oh, my word, they're generous. And there are so many people around here. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group and hang out with them because they'll be generous. Small group people are so generous with each other. I mean, how many people here have had children and their small group provided them meals? There's one at the back. Oh, there's one there. This is the, look, where's the Pentecostal arm? This is just the... Thank you, less Anglican, more Pentecostal. Sorry, <laughs> says the URC. Okay, so you've never seen it modelled. Make opportunities to give it a go. This is a really good thing to do. If you've never seen generosity modelled, model it for yourself. Tip well. When you go to a restaurant, tip well. Doesn't matter how good your service is, tip well. I promise you it's great. In fact, a challenge for you. Next time you go to a restaurant, tip at least 11%. Better than you should. Why? To bless someone, because God is generous with you. I just, I'm not sharing much stuff here, but, you know, it says in the Bible, doesn't it, you know, if somebody asks for your coat, give them your shirt as well. That's what that's all about. Okay, overpaid. I have a very good friend who I love very much, and we went on a, um, a conference together. Four of us went to dinner, and my friend, who is a Christian, he said, as we ate our dinner, he said, give me the cash. Do you remember cash, anybody? Give me the cash, and... I will pay the bill on my card. So we thought, yeah, that's great. So we gave him the cash. He went up, he paid the bill, and he left the rest of the cash as a tip. And the woman who was our waiter was blown away. And he said, it's because God loves you and we just want to bless you. And I would point out, she wasn't a great waiter. She was a woman who was working because she had to, to feed her child, and she hated her job. Why would she be a good waiter? Who am I to judge whether they're any good at it? All I can do is what God does, to give lavishly. The final point I've got in this list anyway, there are others, is this. It's just really hard. Being generous is hard with your possessions, your hard-earned possessions, the things that show who you are. It's hard. I just want to acknowledge that. I just want to acknowledge that. Say, yes, it is. It is hard to love the foreigner, the other person, the hurt person who's hurt you. It's hard to give to people generously and lavishly. I'm aware of that. Do it anyway. If you want an easy faith, the door is that way because the God I know, the Jesus who called me, has never made it easy He's made it good. Boy, is it good. But it is not easy. Why do we do it? Because Jesus does it. That's what being a disciple is about. We practice the way. So I've just got, before we finish, and I will draw this to a close, three practical tips, practical things that will help you be generous with whatever it is you've got. First is this. Your identity. Know who you are. The reason God is so generous is God knows perfectly well that God is the owner of all the cattle on every hillside. Everything is his. And the reason Jesus is who he is is as we see when Jesus washes the disciples' feet because he knows perfectly well that he is sent from God. He is God's son. Everything that God has is his. 
And the reason we can be generous is because we know perfectly well, through Jesus, we are God's children. He's our father. Everything he has is ours. If our identity is right, it's really easy to be generous because we understand that root thing of generosity. Second thing is this. Love. These three remain. Faith, hope and love. The greatest of these is Fruit of the Spirit is love is over all. Love is unbelievably, incredibly wonderful. And we need to learn. And it is a learning process. This doesn't happen suddenly overnight to everybody. Some people go through an incredible shot of learning. But for most of us, it takes time. We have to learn to love people. And how do we learn to love people? By loving people. Do something in service that you're not thanked for. I was reading something the other day and it said to me, and I was really hit by it because I try to do things that use my gifts. But this person had written, do something to serve where you're not using your gifts and no one knows what you can do. Wow, that's really difficult because I'm really clever. (laughs) And I've got loads of gifts. But I don't do it for that. I do it because God wants me to. So, love, actually do it. And the third thing is really obvious. Make the effort. Sorry. I know I stand up here and I share such deep truths that nobody's ever thought of before. Make the effort. Do it. Try it. Make it happen. Put yourself in a situation sometime this week where you can just give to somebody else. Just bless someone. Don't think of reward. Don't think of any stuff. Just do it. And you can't give generously and put things on that. You can't say to somebody, here's £10, but you're not allowed to spend it on anything other than food. You can't do that. Because if you are genuinely giving someone a gift, you are giving them something for them to use. And that's hard. Because I it really hard to earn that. So, identity, love and effort. It's quite easy, really, isn't it? I think we do need to respond to this, and it's very simple. Sometimes we get words, and I, we, we, we preach from the front, and it's very obvious the Holy Spirit is moving, and people go down in the Spirit, and all sorts of amazing stuff happens, and that's brilliant. I don't believe this is one of those words. I believe this is a, this is a pretty important thing. But what I believe we need to do is to physically act a response if you want to act a response. You do not have to respond to this at all. I'm not telling anyone they have to do anything other than stand if you're able. Could everybody please stand? The only reason I'm saying everybody stand is that no one then feels ashamed, that's all. Because if you stay sat, then you look like you're not taking part. You know what I mean. So what I want us to do is to, if you, if you want to, well, everyone's going to, close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you. Close your eyes, and I want you to, in your mind's eye, think of the things that you value the most. Think of the things, yeah, your family, the possessions, the title you have, your qualifications, whatever it might be. It might even be the teddy from when you were growing up that is most valuable to you. Think of that, and just... 
Imagine they're in your hands in front of you. Now keep your eyes closed because this is how I would like us to respond if you'd like to. If you want to, grasp hold of that thing and as we sing something, come forward and just touch the stage. Place it on the stage. Give it to God. Leave it. It's really simple. It's called a sacrament. It's an external expression of a really deep inner thing. And so the verse that came to my mind, the words that came to my mind are the last verse of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, which is the most amazing hymn ever written. And so I know it well enough to lead it. And if you want to sing along, the words are going to be up on the screen. But we'll sing it through a couple of times. And in that time, if you would like to, forget everybody else. It doesn't matter who's watching you. It doesn't matter what people are going to do. But bring that thing forward. Just place it on the stage. It doesn't matter. It could be anywhere. But the stage is at the front. And then return to your seat. And as you do it, sing this song. Because this song is about our response for his gift of generosity. Okay? So let's just take a moment. And then when I start singing, if you want to join, that's fine. Were the whole realm of nature mine That were an offering far too small Love so amazing, so divine Demands my soul my life, my all. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing so divine demands my soul.